1: Well, how are we doing tonight? Ivy Nation Sports Talk is up and rolling. He's Jesse Stiers. I'm Sean Stiers. Appreciate your patience tonight. And, uh, you know, I don't know if if our old friend, Salty Virginia Peanuts, is here. He's usually putting me on the clock early. There he is. Um, it, It was one of those. Computer literally took a dump right when I was trying to log into the show on the back end. So I had to reboot the computer and... And here we are. But glad to have you with us. How are you today, Jess?
2: I'm doing well. It's uh, tomorrow's Friday. So it's Friday Eve. I get paid tomorrow. Uh, going out af- with some friends after we get done uh, here. So pretty excited. Can't complain over here. All right. All right. Let me make sure. Let me check
1: my uh, my sound levels here and everything as uh take a look. At this you might try to bump your microphone level up a little bit just based on what I'm hearing right now but again I'm the one that just had the computer issues I think anyway I'm not I'm not I'm not hearing you really loud so I don't want there to be a huge difference in our in our audio levels tonight but uh, again glad to have you with us we are here we've got a UNLV guest later in the show Andy. Yamashita from the Las Vegas Review Journal is going to be with us later in the show. We've got, of course, a full-fledged opening segment. We've got Rapid Fire coming up in a little bit. We've got it all like we always do tonight. We've got um, some news to get to first. Before we get to that, if you would, hit the like button, subscribe, rate, review. Um, Marcus Freeman Zoom conference this afternoon, the biggest news to come out of it is Tight end Eli Raridan is going to miss the rest of the season. He retore the ACL that he tore last December. So uh, Eli is, is going to be gone. He is, of course, the second tight end to go down since the season began. Kevin Bauman went down a couple of weeks ago. They just got Mitchell Evans back after he had the foot injury over the summer. But, yeah, it is. I'm looking here at, at, at Michael in the chat, sad news. I mean, it, it always is when these guys, especially when it's an ACL and, and that kind of thing, but you know, the, 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 I guess the impact to the team right now is Eli Raridan has been a heck of a blocker, Jess, arguably the best blocking tight end that they have had this season.
2: Yeah, that's a really tough blow considering a lot of the personnel that we see Notre Dame uh, kind of run, you know, with the 12 personnel and them and them trying to accomplish certain run blocking schemes Uh, tight end is obviously something important for them so anytime you lose a good blocker it's never a good thing no no and
1: and again I mean you never want to see anyone go down to to a season in need you know any kind of season ending injury but uh, you know an, an ACL just really stinks so you know really bad for him he is a freshman though he played well so far this year he's the fourth Notre Dame player lost to injury since the season started though and Bauer just went down last week. You've got Bauman already, Tyler Buckner with a shoulder injury, Avery Davis also had an ACL back in camp. So uh, the list is growing longer, unfortunately, for, uh, for these injured guys for Notre Dame.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Couple other updates from today. Jason Adola, questionable per se. He's got the rib contusion that he had that he suffered in the Stanford game. The main concern, Marcus Freeman said, is his breathing. Have you ever had like a you know like a severe rib bruise or you know like hit hard on the ribs or anything
2: like that? Um, I think I, if I remember right, I took like a some a big kind of block by a big offensive lineman. Uh, I was trying to you know shed or, or deflect or avoid. Working on like a rip drill, and I got I got a nice uh, knee right to my side, and that didn't feel good. Just kind of have to sit out a couple of plays for what you were talking about. It just gets hard, hard to breathe, and you feel like you could, especially with all the pads on you. Right, you have things kind of squeezing you, and you're really trying to you know contract and let out a decent amount of air. So that's the main issue that that you kind of see in those situations. It doesn't feel good, uh, and you feel kind of. Uh, suffocated, you know, because you, you're, like I said, you're trying to get air out and you have these pads kind of strapped to you, keeping everything in. So definitely not a good feeling. And you kind of get almost like a sense of panic at times.
1: As Brian says, cracked ribs, no fun either. I can only imagine when, what cracked ribs feel like. So Jason Adam questionable, might be back. You've got other defensive tackles like Chris Smith, Riley Mills, Howard Cross, Gabe Rubio, Jason Anye. They, of course, all play in the depths. get a little bit of, th- Especially if you lose your top end guy like Jason Adam Lola. Jaden Mickey also questionable with an abdominal strain. He missed last week's game. An abdominal strain, I well, maybe not abdominal. I've had more like a rib kind of, you know, like that, like the muscles around your ribs, basically. I don't know if that's considered abdominal. Or not, but that definitely, you know, it's like that hurts just, just to try to lay on it when you strain it or pull it or whatever. Those uh, those hurt just as well. So we'll see if uh, if Jade Mickey is able to come back next week. Sounds like Tariq Bracey will be back, had the hamstring last week. He, you know, was kind of right up until game time. They thought maybe last week he was going to be able to play, but wasn't able to. So that's kind of the injury rundown. The offense is going to be the main focus of our first segment here today because Marcus Freeman touched on a lot of different topics in the press conference. This Well, maybe not a lot, but he went in detail on the topics that he did get to, you know, a good majority of them. And we're going to touch on getting off to a faster start here in a minute. And just like the numbers, when you think about it, are just insane. But he discussed how they're doing things differently at practice to try to cut down on the mental errors In the game. And I think that that is just, you know, maybe even more distressing than whether or not you score in the first quarter or score right off the bat, you know, like uh, on your opening drive and that kind of stuff, is the mental errors like they have. Like, just like last week, very first play before the play gets off the ground, you're late getting the play in and then you've got a false start and all this stuff. But he talked about simplifying the game plan and reducing the number of options and reads that a player might have on each play, you know, again, to simplify things. In other words, like the quarterback only has two options on a given play rather than maybe three or four options on a given play. So what what are some of your initial thoughts on hearing some of that?
2: You know, I think the biggest thing that they need to focus on, and it, it needs to be some of these smaller goals, like control that you hear a lot of control, the things that you can control. And a lot of that is penalties. You can't have any negative yards. You can't have, you know, your big plays kind of called back. And that's what we saw a good amount of last week is, you know, early, like like you said, the false start, getting behind the chains due to mental errors. Uh, And then, you know, we saw a couple big plays taken off the board due to some penalties as well. And I think another thing you have to look at is just always have positive plays, no matter if it's one yard, two yards. Ideally, you you know, you're shooting for three to four yards. Um, You just you want to make sure that you're doing everything possible to have, you know, positive plays and cut back on the stuff that you can control like penalties. Yeah. I think that that has to be the main focus is, you know, just knowing your assignment, getting making sure, you know, the pause. Posi- it's a positive play, positive outcome and controlling a lot of those mental errors. He expanded on
1: some stuff. Tommy Reese and the offense have been doing in practice this week. And I'll let you hear that right now.
4: I'm in practice and, and Coach Reese is really um, doing a good job of changing the way we we do a little bit of our team periods in practice, and he's almost calling it like a game and that our players don't have a script to say, okay, here's the script, let's memorize it. He's doing a good job of saying, okay, they have to look to the sidelines, get the signal. They don't know exactly what the call is going to be. Sometimes you script practice where as I'm going into the game, I know these are the three plays I got, you know, and and what we're doing is challenge them a little bit to get the calls from the sideline, not know exactly what they're going to do and be able to react. And and, um, they're doing a good job of watching – I saw them in the other day they're they're watching parts of practices a group you know they're watching seven on seven periods to make sure there's one voice everybody's on the same page and you're being held accountable to your teammates you know and and if you make a mental mistake a, a mental mistake well you know have some older guys that aren't in mental space want to know why. Why? I like, mean, you're held accountable not only to your coach, but to your teammates. And so um, it's been good to see the enhancement, I think, as an offensive staff, and, and in terms of not just saying, hey, continue to trust the process. We'll be better. We're going to be better. We're going to execute better, but let's find ways to enhance our process. Let's find ways to fix it.
1: So it's interesting hearing him say that about the fact that they're spending time in practice now working on essentially relaying in the plays, you know, signals from the sideline and and that kind of stuff, not knowing what plays are coming up. So now, rather than the players knowing what plays they're going to be running and actually having the script, they don't have the script, they're relaying the plays in from the sideline. Uh, To me, Jess, now, one – like I come from a day when I was playing in high school, where where the wide, re, you know, the extra wide receiver just ran the play, you know, in from the sideline. So we weren't doing a lot of signaling back then. But you played in college not too long ago, so so tell me, I would have thought that they would have been working on that kind of thing in training camp and maybe even through the early part of the season if it was an issue. In training camp, like, did you guys when you were in college, you know, because I know that you know your your team, I remember, would you know signal in plays from the sideline and stuff like that. Did you work on that kind of thing in practice?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, there's no there's no point of having you know signals if you can't be able to recognize the signals in a timely fashion. And so yeah, we we there were times where we spent exactly doing that. You know, you had people on the sideline who were who are giving the the signals, and a lot of time it's usually you know personnel. Um, and then, you know, specifically kind of pass or run play and then, you know, associated routes that come with that and blocking and and such and such. And so I think that that is, it's surprising to me that if that's the route that they're going, that that wasn't kind of nailed down, uh, by this point in the season, usually now it's just kind of a tweaking your signals or adjusting some things if, you know, based on kind of new stuff that you're working on, but you know, not having the signals down is definitely kind of a red flag. Um, in my opinion. I'm just shocked that, and I'm shocked that it was brought like said aloud, I think is is another thing that's kind of I wouldn't be saying that out loud to the general public. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if because
1: again, there there obviously have been times where the play has taken a long time. Now, some of it has to do with scan offense and stuff like that. But still, you had a bye week as well just a couple of weeks ago. So if it was an issue before the bye week, why was not that not being worked on? During the bye week when you have more time and if it was an issue from the beginning, it just seems like something that they should have spent a good, you know, period or two on every practice just working on make sure you've got it get it going, you know, get the timing down the rhythm down the whole thing it's a it's so to me it is just like you said it's very surprising that it's taken this long. It's it's baffling to an extent.
2: You know, another thing that that we often had, and I am sure that this is like many programs across the country, is you have, you know, a pre-practice as well. There's a 30-minute, we had pre-practice period in which, you know, for, for us defensively, it was just a lot of basic walkthroughs, right? Like refreshing your brain, going through it really slow uh, before you you did it kind of live and fast time during practice when, when the pressure is on. And, that's another thing that you would you would hope that the offense would be working on kind of in some you know like I like that pre-practice time right that's a perfect perfect time where you can kind of go over those things and and make sure and then during practice when you're doing your live segments that when that's when you're kind of tuning it in um, more so so to me it's just really surprising that they that they're dedicating actual practice time to this and not maybe using kind of this that pre-practice period or you know there's other ways I think you can go about accomplishing those things especially this late in the season. There's other bigger things to be working on, in my opinion.
1: Well, and the other thing, again, you know, like we've talked about, I guess you and I haven't touched on it as much. I know Vince and I have talked about it. Brian's yes. talked about it on his show, you know, with, with Ryan and those guys as well. Just the fact that it just seems like both coordinators, to an extent, just have so much in their playbooks, and Tommy Reese specifically, that, like, can you just figure out a couple of things you do well? Run, you know, run them out of different formations, and not, you know, not have to be, you know, like look at the thing with Tobias Merriweather. Well, no wonder Tobias Merriweather has taken so long to get to where he is. If you know, like he talked about, he, now he said a thousand plays. I don't know if they literally have a thousand plays, but I wouldn't doubt it at this point. It just seems like some simplification would have gone a long way. For this team, as you know, especially considering the varying experience levels, like with the quarter with either one of the quarterbacks, for that matter, you know, you want the quarterback to know the whole playbook, but that's a lot to put on a couple of guys who who had never started a game before this season.
2: You know, I think the the thing to look at or the thing that is most important is you got to have a kind of base of plays. That you're really good at, right? Right. And we've I've talked about that before. I think that that's something that they need to do is have you know personnel's where they have a a solid base of plays, and then you start working off of those. You you start finding you know ways to manipulate your base, and then that way it just feels like motion. You know, uh, what is what is the word I'm looking for? Motion memory, muscle memory, muscle memory, yeah, muscle memory. And then when you add you know certain things, it doesn't feel drastic to the players because. 50% of it you've already done cuz it's your base it's your foundation so you know and that's something I've talked about a lot of is they can run a lot of simplified high powered plays as their base and then tweak week to week you know depending on the opponent certain things that you know that they feel like they can take advantage of or manipulate so to me it's super surprising that that's not the case because you know we're talking we're talking at college level here. You know, you don't need an expansive, extensive playbook. It's a matter of doing your things very well. And I thought drunk ego made up, brought up a good point. It seems like, you know, these quarterbacks come in and it's, it's, you know, catering around their skills. Why isn't it just like a plug plug and play where no matter the quarterback, you know, that they can have the success. Why is there always kind of like this, Tinkering. One playbook
1: for one guy, one playbook. For yeah, guy. if you have a yeah. base
2: or a foundation of plays that, you know, you know work and you can plug and play, that's how the program continuously gets better because you're doing the same things again and again. you're getting better at your foundation of things
1: that's right. I mean, just what you said, you shouldn't have to worry about trying to out scheme Marshall and Stanford. And, you know, even this year's North Carolina, Team, you know those kind of teams. UNLV this week, Navy in a few weeks. You shouldn't have to worry about out scheming those teams. You have the better athletes in all of those matchups. And just to your point, if you just have a good base of plays that you run well, and then you know, then as the season goes on, obviously you're going to continue to add some things so, so that you don't have the exact same playbook every week. Even though what Marcus Freeman says is essentially. You know they ran the same game plan the, the almost the exact same game plan 3 weeks in a row you, you you shouldn't you shouldn't have to out scheme those teams on either side of the ball offensively or defensively and it seems like maybe they're doing too much of that
2: yeah i think the issue is you know th- teams should have to be worried about what they're going to do to stop Notre Dame because Notre Dame exactly. does what they do so well it shouldn't exactly. be the other way around and i think that's the big issue right now and it just it, it ultimately comes down to They're just not doing enough of the same things consistently. It's too much variation. There just needs to be a constant. This is what we do well. We know we do it well. And we're going to make teams stop us. And if they prove they can stop us, then I'm okay with making, you know, halftime adjustments or maybe, you know, pulling out some of these things that you know might work depending on the looks that they're giving you. But you got to make it so teams prove that they can stop you at what you do well. And I think that that's not what Notre Dame is doing right now.
1: Well, and Vigo right now in the chat is talking about, you know, differing kind of quarterbacks. You go from Jack Cohn with cement in his cleats last (laughs) year, you know, to Tyler Buckner in the package last year. But then Buckner comes into this year as, you know, the starting quarterback. And Drew Pine, I guess, essentially is kind of in between those two. He's more a pocket guy who has some mobility. He's not quite as as lead footed as Jack Cohn was, but he, you know he showed the other day with that 16 yard run. He can run a little bit when he has to. But you know, if if you have a program and you have a system, it seems like you would be reco- recruiting the same type of quarterback one through three or one through four rather than
2: Ohio state like yeah they, they do exactly. every year it's it's just plug and play and the the quarterback the quarterback gets better because he's doing you know he's he's running the Ohio he's state in plays. he's yes. in the system there's no system right now offensively for Notre Dame
1: right right because again it's well there's this system for you because you're a pocket quarterback there's this system for you because you're a running quarterback a dual threat quarterback I, and that's 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 something i think we can all agree needs to change now i mean obviously when you look at at the recruiting and the commits the you know they're different kind of guys out there and a higher level of guys i'll just i guess we'll have to see where all this goes in the long run well something else i asked marcus freeman about today was the slow starts that the team has had they've been outscored 27 to 6 in the first quarter through three games. And I'll, I'll be quite honest. I wasn't, it wasn't something that jumped out on me before I was looking at the stat sheet for something else the other day. And I'm like, okay, six points. <laughs> and then I started thinking, where did they come from? I'm like, oh yeah, you have to go all the way back to Ohio state, a field goal on their opening drive of the season. And then BYU, a field goal after the Tariq Bracey interception you know they get that in plus territory, and still all they get was a field goal out of it. First quarter—that's their points this season. Two field goals, spread what a, a month and a half apart, basically. Now, so that's that's what they've done in the first first quarter. Now you look at UNLV—they've also been outscored pretty handily in the first quarter, seventy-three to thirty-three, but they've still got thirty-three points, which is more than five times what Notre Dame has scored in the first quarter this season. So here are some of Freeman's thoughts on getting the offense out to better starts.
4: Make sure that we are, um, you know, one, it's a a mentality. And you're not judged. That's what I just told the team and the staff. We're not judged off of mentality, but it's you got to have a right mindset because that will have a, di- a, a dictate on your your actions and how we start the game. And so we got to come out the locker room ready to go with the right mentality. And then you know what? We got to give our offense um, some 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 confidence plays, some easy drive stars, some 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 plays where there isn't multiple decisions. Right? There's going to be one thing we want you to do, and and you know we have to try to look for easy completion, be able to run the ball, establish the run play, and and really have no self inflicted wounds. And you see how we started last game with um, a penalty to start the game, and then the second down we had some miscommunication. We can't start the game that way. We got to start the game effectively. Uh, we got to practice uh, those plays often, and, and make sure our guys know exactly what we plan to see and what we're going to do as an offense.
1: So you heard some of his thoughts there, just just point blank. How can they get this thing kickstarted? What do you think, Jess? Well, like, what are some easy ways to kind of get this rolling a little bit? Six you know, points the, is
2: ugh. The the number one thing I look at when it comes to you know opening drive points and first quarter points is one. Everyone knows that plays are scripted, right? So that's half the battle. I, I think that half the half of it comes in the preparation of knowing, kind of you know, you've watched your film on the defense, you know what they're going to, you know, kind of come and then have some just counter punches ready. You know, it's your opening drive and just like I said, rhythm. And Jason Garrett brings this up, you know, all the time when talking about Notre Dame in game. Um, Another great Jason Garrett point for everyone out there keeping keeping (laughs) track of of Jason Garrett points. But he's made some he's made some right. Right. This whole offense is predicated around being able to run the ball. And I think that that's like they need to be a well oiled machine and and rhythmic in the in the step that, you know, they take these small steps, run the ball, run the ball, get some short passes, get some short passes, run the ball, run the ball, have success, get a rhythm going. And then you start working in those play action passes. You know, that's that's ultimately what their what their game plan is and how they're going to get their big chunk plays but you have to you know get get the run game going and build off that play action and get the rhythm going so then the more you know you're going down the field it, it feels like they're taking another bigger step and bigger step and that's when you start you know the play actions and your your playbook starts opening up a little bit and you're taking those shots downfield but to me it all starts with getting a nice you know methodical rhythm to start the game a lot of power run plays a lot of you know the 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 quick little passes that we see out in the flat to mayor and Lindsay coming across in motion in the formation, just nice little plays. Where you're just flicking it, right? Just nothing crazy. But then you start building up those play action plays and opening up the playbook down the field. And then you can start taking your shots to get some of those points. So that's to me, the, the main thing is just nice rhythmic plays where you're getting three to four yards, every play. I think that bodes well for them. And you can start opening up with the play action game after that. Yeah, and
1: and I mean to me, like when you brought out, you broke out the spreadsheet the other night. There was the touchdown drive that they had in the second half, and just as you said sarcastically, oh look at this tempo. You had it marked on there that it was a (laughs) tempo drive. It just seems to me, if you're going to script the plays, you know the script, you know what plays you're going to call. Why haven't you know tempo got the the offense kind of kickstarted last year midseason? You know it jolted it with Jack Cohn why haven't they come out in in more tempo right away
2: and i think that that's another big factor because of you know what they do well they're big physical guys up front they have hogs on the offensive line so what do you do you get going and you get going fast and you contend you know continuously punch them in the mouth you know use your big on big size you take advantage of that keep going you know take take the tempo up don't allow them to sub and just keep exploiting again and again their weakness and that's what really Tempo accomplishes is the ability to, to exploit someone's weakness continuously without giving them the opportunity to fix it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Revolver was asking, does anyone run else run scan offense? I mean, you see it all over the place. Yeah, it's, you see
2: it when like you know teams hold up those signs that have a quadrant of four different pictures. There's just different yeah. ways of going about it, essentially.
1: And other teams don't use the whole play clock to get their play called using it, you know. <laughs> because again it's usually like you you get to the line quickly and rather than calling a play changing a play you get to the line the play is called and then you know boom you you get the now there are some off it cuz you've seen it you know it can get annoying it's not just Notre Dame you know it's just that Notre Dame is doing it this year like it it does get annoying watching some other teams too, like when you see them do it where they just stand there at the line of scrimmage, they're looking to the you know, the sideline for the play call and all that stuff. But, you know, again, it is a lot of offensive coordinators feeling the need to to be the puppet master and dictating the, you know, the 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 show and not and not you know, some quarterbacks need more help than others, but I think that, that Notre Dame has some bright guys. I, I I don't think they probably need to to do quite as much as they're doing.
2: You know, I what I've told you this before, and I think this maybe sounds crazy, but this is just how I would go about it. And if I were the head coach, you know, I I previously was talking about having a base play or or a set, you know, kind of thing that formation that you do well, you know, what's stopping them from establishing those kind of base formations and calling, you know, if you have a base formation and 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 a foundation of what you're trying to do, then there's it's so easy that if you line up in a formation, you can have your quarterback, audible to either the pass play or the run play that comes out of that formation, yeah. just depending on the numbers that you're getting, because that's what they're doing in the scan Is They're just seeing what the defense gives them and calling, you know, the ideal play. So instead of doing scan offense, why not? Yeah. Build in some RPOs or just come yeah. to the line in a set formation. And depending on what pine sees, he knows to call, to the pass or right. to the run. If but the you defender's
1: have- down here, you're going to pass. If the defender's back here, you're going to run.
2: And it's-, it's easy for the offense because you know in that formation that these are the plays that you you know potentially can run, so it's not hard, but that's what the advantage is of simplifying and getting down into kind of some base plays is it's so easy to be like, okay, well, based on this, we're going to do the pass play or we're going to do the run play that we've been practicing all week. Yeah. So I-, I think that those are easy adjustments to speeding things up but still kind of – You know, getting that scan aspect in for them.
1: And again, go back to that Fiesta Bowl, you know, RPO City, you know, they broke it out and it was really successful, but not so much now. I mean, look at the way, look at the way Philly in the first half was able to take one of the best defenders in the league, Micah Parsons, out of the game the other night with that RPO. They just said, you know, okay, we're going to read you. Whatever you do, we're going to go opposite of it and they were able to have some success with that until Dallas figured out a way to adjust to it. It's, I think, I think with, again, like with the different personnel and and everything else at their disposal, I think they'd be able to kind of make some hay with that offensively, but we haven't seen that so far. All right. One other thing that I wanted to get in here, because there had been some talk This week, kind of rumors, you know, I don't know, whatever floating around about whether or not Marcus Freeman wanted to bring in an offensive analyst in the offseason with (laughs) coaching experience to work with Tommy Reese this season. And the whole scuttlebutt was Reese shot it down because it was supposedly former Duke head coach David Cutcliffe. And so Reese was asked about it the other day and he says, well, it's Freeman's program. If he wants to bring in an analyst, he can do whatever he wants to do. You know, that's that's not my call. But he did add that they have a vacancy for an analyst currently. So that was brought up in the press conference today. And here is Freeman's answer to that.
4: I think it's a a vacancy as much as um, we're always looking for ways to enhance our program. And and bringing on an office and analyst was something, um, additional office analyst was something we were looking at. Uh, prior to the start of the season. Um, but it had to be the right fit. It had to be the right person. And um, just a couple avenues we looked at and just talked to wasn't going to be uh, what's right for us and what's right for for those guys that maybe we had talked to and just kind of felt out. And so it's not a vacancy where we're looking to fill it. We're, we're always looking for ways to enhance. And guess what? If that's one, two, or three endless on either side of the ball, special teams, if it's going to enhance our program, um, we'll definitely continue to look into it, but we're not just looking for a a number. We're not looking for just anybody to fill a spot to help us continue to enhance. It has to be somebody that truly fits um, this staff and and really the direction we're going.
1: So there you go. There's a vacancy. That's not a vacancy, but (laughs) they'll fill it if they find the right fit. So I don't know. I guess that's clarification to some extent, but again, there's all these Rumors floating around, and as Vigo says, you know, Tommy doesn't want to answer to anyone. I mean, he still would be the offensive coordinator, so an analyst still has to answer to the guy at the top. I don't know, but that's the answer to it anyway. What do you think?
2: Uh, It it was hard to actually get anything from that because it felt like (laughs) Freeman was talking in a circle. It's, it's, is there a vacancy? Isn't there a vacancy? And it's like, uh, it sounds like there is a vacancy if like the right name pops up, but they're not actively looking it feels like they want it to be like this, you know, like, like fairy tale story where someone just magically falls in the spot and they all like get do well together. But at the same time, if it goes bad, they don't want that to be their responsibility either. Yeah. So it's, it, it just to me sounds like they can't decide whether or not that they would like it, but someone like David Cutcliffe, I think is, you would benefit them. I mean, who are, who are they? To, I, I would understand kind of why Tommy Reese would be a little jealous. He's, he's coached Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Daniel Jones. Like he's got a good resume. He's, he's a, you know, they don't call him the quarterback guru for no reason. So I think someone like that just kind of with some experience. And I think that's what Tommy's biggest issue is right now is he's like very experimental and doesn't have enough test results to have kind of the conclusions that he wants. And so it's like, why not bring in someone who has seen things more, has more experience that could just be, a nice like bird in your ear, and just kind of be like, "Hey, this is you're doing these things right," or I would maybe stay away from these kind of things. So, no, to I mean, me, it feels like that's kind of the the issue right now.
1: I think the experimental thing hit the nail on the head, just like him two summer, you know, saying that two summers ago he watched all you know every play from the NFL, and he watched more college this year. It's just you know like the, the he's got the NFL connections and even though he won't come out and say it out loud it sure seems like he wants to coach in the NFL and it does seem like he's kind of throwing darts at the board with some of this stuff you know to show one show what he can do but also like he's 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 running so much early on it's like well, okay does this work does this not so again like when we go back to the thing about the the fast starts or the lack of the fast starts is it just because he's kind of tinkering a little bit too much early on and not necessarily worried as much about trying to score. I mean, obviously they want to score, but it's like, why aren't you scoring more? It, well, because they're doing so much. It seems like.
2: Yeah. And you know, Tommy, Tommy has to realize, and I think he knows this, it, you know, he's got respect. People know who he is. There's people who have high praise for him. Like when you meet, when you see Notre Dame on networks where other than NBC, you know, the non home games where you have to kind of watch them depending on where they're at, people have Dan Orlovsky always says nice things about Tommy yeah. Reese. Like, and, and that's coming from someone who is constantly in the NFL world, the NFL bubble. So, like, these guys, his name is around, you know, it's, it, it no longer needs to be kind of like the proving himself experimental stuff, like, just have success consistently. And I think that's the thing you know, people will, will recognize you if, if that's the case, you know, you have to have the consistent success and that's, that's really what's hurting him because I don't think that he's obviously having a good showing right now, considering, you know, where his offensive ranks are and you can, Oh, well, devil's advocate would say that, you know, you transition between two quarterbacks, but you know, it. we're beyond that you coach at Notre Dame, you're expected to have sex success and the next guy has to be ready. And I think that their offense actually, Looks better with uh, Drew Pine. I think it fits kind of Tommy Reese's style a bit more. So, to me, I, I just think that he needs to get his own ego out of the way sometimes and just coach, just play. Uh, you know how you're supposed to.
1: Vigo is on a roll tonight, man. He was pretty quiet last night, but he is rolling <laughs> tonight. And uh, Indy Nation with a super chat, please bring in anybody. S O S. There are a lot of people who concur with that sentiment.